<laughs> Amen. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I know one thing's for sure. I'm going to have one great big smile on my face, and I pray you are too. That same Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ said to us, Go therefore and make... Let me rephrase that. Jesus said, Go therefore and make... Maybe I'm not saying this right. Let me, I'll hold my mouth right this time. Jesus said, go therefore and make. Y'all are not enthused about this at all. <laughs> go and make. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. But to make disciples, you first got to be one. To be a disciple, you've got to be a spirit-filled believer intent on obeying the Lord and revealing His incredible love across the way and around the world. To make one, you got to be one. Paul wrote to the believers in a place called Galatia, and he wrote them to tell them that a proper relationship with God will show evidence that the Spirit of God resides there. Paul called these things, these qualities, the fruit of the Spirit. And they were things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today, we are going to focus on the loving kindness of God in the believer. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the Word of God tells us that love is kind. So if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you love people, if you love the Lord, then you're going to be kind. So, I heard this story about a woman who was standing uh, on a bus. She had just cashed her tax refund check, and she was more than a little bit nervous. So she glanced around, and she noticed this man who was dressed a little bit raggedy. And as she was watching him, another man walked up to her and handed him some money and whispered something in his ear. She was so touched by this act of kindness, she decided that she was going to do the same thing. So in a burst of generosity, she reached into her purse, she pulled out a $10 bill, she handed it to the man and said, never despair. Never despair. The next day, she came back and got on that same bus and Lo and behold, there that man was again. Same man. But this time, he came up to her and handed her $110. And she looked at him and said, well, what's this? And he said, you won, lady. Never despair, won by a nose, and it paid 10 to 1. That guy was a bookie. Now, I can't promise you that every act of kindness you do will pay you 10 to 1. 
In fact, here's a promise that I can make for you. For most people, kindness will require a cost from you. Kindness will cost you something. Kindness will require a sacrifice. So with that in mind, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 8 today. And we're going to see a couple of clear-cut examples of kindness that we find in the scriptures. In these verses, we're going to see Jesus, our Savior, our perfect example of kindness, actually showing kindness to two people that are completely different from one another. One of them is a man. The other is a woman. One of these people is an outcast, poor and unknown to anybody. The other is a rich person, influential, and is even the ruler of the synagogue there in Jerusalem. And yet, Jesus treats both of them. He treats both of them with great kindness. Now, what you need to know is, is that by the time of this story that I'll share, that Jesus had become very famous. Everybody knew who this Jesus was. He had become famous, and he was at the pinnacle of his popularity. People respected him because they knew he was a great healer. People respected him because he knew, they knew that he was a teacher come from God. And wherever he went, people thronged around him. Multitudes surrounded him so much that he actually had to go off in secret just to get a little rest and pray. But despite the pressures of popularity, despite the crowds that were constantly pushing in around Jesus, despite all the demands on his time, Jesus, in his kindness, stopped everything he was doing in order to help people and offer them kindness. An author named Cal Thomas wrote this. Love talked about is easily ignored. We talked about that in Sunday school, didn't we, bro? However, love demonstrated is irresistible. Friends, I want to tell you today that kindness is love demonstrated. Kindness is love demonstrated, and kindness is irresistible. And Jesus, our perfect example, not only talked about love, he not only talked about kindness, he lived it and did random acts of kindness. So let's look today at the ways that Jesus expressed kindness, and let's see how you and I might be able to learn from him today. The first way we see is that Jesus expressed kindness by paying attention to people's need. Now, while he was on this planet, Jesus paid attention to the needs of many, many people. Listen to the story of this one. In Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40, the word says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. I bet he was saying, wow, gee, thanks for that, right? The multitude welcomed him, and for they were all waiting for him. 
And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. We're not told where Jesus was heading when this story began. If I had to guess, he was probably on his way to teach or on his way to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand to this multitude, to this crowd. And you need to know that that's something that's very important. That him preaching the word, that him preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand was a very important task indeed. But notice this. As soon as Jairus came up to him and told him about his daughter, the very next words we read in verse 42 go like this. But as he went, as soon as Jairus came up to him, fell before him, told him about his dying 12-year-old daughter, Jesus went. He immediately changed directions. He immediately changed his plans. He immediately started following Jairus to his home. This little girl's situation, this little girl's sickness was more pressing than what Jesus had planned. By the way, how do you handle interruptions? When you're doing a task that requires your attention, how do you handle interruptions? If you are a multitasker, raise your hand. Raise them up high and say, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. 19. Wow. I ain't one. Amen? I commend you for being a multitasker, but I am not one of those people. I work best when I can focus on one thing and see it through to completion. I am not a multitasker, but apparently... Jesus is the most ultimate multitasker. So if you are those that raised your hand, are multitaskers, then you're a lot like the Lord Jesus. Amen? Um, but if, for those other ones that are not multitaskers, if you're focusing on doing something, if you're concentrating and you get interrupted, do you consider that kind of an intrusion? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. So how well do I handle interruptions? Uh, not so good. Not so good. But here's what I've learned from Jesus this week. Here's what I've learned from the Word of God that speaks to the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is what I've learned today, uh, this week, from the Word of God in this message. I need to know that sometimes... Interruptions are sent by God. Sometimes interruptions are sent by God. Sometimes opportunities to minister, opportunities to be a blessing, are actually disguised as interruptions. And if I don't allow myself to be interrupted, I may miss one of the greatest blessings or one of the greatest opportunities to be a blessing that God's ever sent. Sometimes God sends an interruption. 
But Jesus, he paid attention to Jairus. He immediately changed his plans. He didn't consider Jairus an interruption or an intrusion. He immediately changed his plans and changed his directions. But then we find that Jairus is not the only interruption. While Jesus is on his way to help one interruption, lo and behold, here comes another interruption. And Jesus again expressed kindness to meet another need. Read with me in verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, those multitudes are thronging about you. They're pressing in on you. And yet you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Paying attention to people's needs. Here the crowds of people were surrounding the group. The, the crowds of people were surrounding the Lord Jesus. Everybody's in a hurry. Even Jesus himself wants to get to this 12-year-old. Yet Jesus was able to differentiate between the touch of the crowd and the personal touch of this woman who needed his help. You know, our world is becoming more and more impersonal, isn't it? I go to fill up with gas and I don't have to talk to nobody. I put my debit card in the slot, I pump my gas, and I drive away, and I don't even have to look at another human being if I don't want to. Same way at the bank. I started doing some online banking. I don't have to see another teller as long as I live if I don't want to. Have you ever tried to call AT&T? Amen. Verizon is so much better, brother. You ever tried to call AT&T? You ever tried to call the IRS? You ever tried to call the Social Security Administration? Everything's completely automated. You don't talk to people no more. What about Delta Airlines? You call their 800 number and you hear, you don't even hear a real voice. It's not even a human voice. It's a computerized voice. Sounds something like this. If you want information about departing flights, press one now. For arriving flights, press two. You push one and then it says, if you know your flight number, press one. You push one again, and it says, punch in your flight number now. You punch in that, and the computerized voice tells you the correct gate number. You don't ever have to talk to another living, breathing, walking, talking human being ever again as long as you live. We live in a very impersonal world. But I wonder what would happen if we did that to 911 calls. You call 9-11 and you hear, if an emergency, your emergency is a murder, press 1. 
If your emergency is a burglary, push two. If the burglar's still in the house, press three. If he has a gun, press four real quick. Amen. It's just become so impersonal in our world today. But know this. Know this, you disciples of Jesus. Jesus took time. He had the same 24 hours you and I did. But Jesus took the time. He was on his way to Jairus' house and he stopped what he was doing and he gave a gift. You know what the gift he gave? His time. He gave to this woman his personal attention as though she was the only one alive. He took the time to stop and give this woman his personal attention. Do you see the lesson there for you today? In this impersonal world, I pray that you will stop and give a gift that every one of us have. Your personal attention. Kindness is paying attention to people. But Jesus also expressed his kindness by affirming people's worth. Let's go back into Luke chapter 8 and let's continue reading in verse 47. Now when the woman saw that she was no longer hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And Jesus said to her, Daughter. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. First of all, what you need to know is, is the disease that this woman had probably made her viewed as an outcast. Whatever this disease was that this woman had, she was probably treated like a leper. Stay away from her at all costs, lest you get what she's got. Stay away from her. In fact, that disease that she had probably kept her from being with her family for this entire 12 years that she'd had the disease. Her family wouldn't even want nothing to do with her. Stay away from her. You don't want what she's got. Imagine what her self-esteem was like. I bet her self-esteem was as low as it could possibly go. But what does Jesus do? Jesus affirms her worth. She says, young lady, you've got value to me. You've got great worth. He affirms her first by taking the time to listen And then she tells this version of her story. And I think this is a very condensed version. 
that she told Jesus. I mean, think about it. She's got 12 years of history living in this disease. And I'll bet you that this is the first time that anybody has given her any attention for any length of time. So I imagine that she poured out her heart to Jesus. And I know that Jesus listened to every word she spoke. By taking the time to listen to her, looking at her face, clinging to every word she spoke, Jesus affirmed, young lady, you've got value. You've got value. And in so doing, showed her a great kindness. So are you a good listener? Would you be willing to, to stop and take the time to listen to someone's life story who had been struggling with cancer for 12 years? Be willing to listen with your ears and listen with your heart and compassionately and completely be engrossed in what he or she was saying to you? Most of us probably are not good listeners. We pass each other by and we say, hey, how you doing? What do you expect? Fine. But have you ever been caught off guard and say, hey, how you doing? And somebody begins to rattle off everything that's going on? Huh? One preacher wrote, he said, that he went up to a lady and said, how are you? And she said, you don't want to know. And he said, I thought to myself, you know, she was right. I really didn't have the time to know what all of her problems were. I was too busy doing what I needed to do to stop and pay attention to her and affirm her worth. Most of us don't really stop to take the time to listen. But I want to tell you today, that that is an act of great kindness. If you'll just stop and listen and affirm someone's worth. You know, all of us need somebody to listen to us from time to time. Mercy, I've got tales of woe that I need to spill out to somebody. Poor Janet. (laughs) All of us need somebody to listen. All of us need somebody to focus on us from time to time. We all need someone to listen to what we have to say. Jesus affirmed this woman not only by what he did, by stopping and listening and focusing intently on this woman, not only by what he did, but also notice that he affirmed her worth by what he said. Daughter. Daughter. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
What kind of affirmation must that have been? This man who is a self-proclaimed son of almighty God. And here, an outcast. A woman who couldn't even be around other people. Who probably hadn't felt uh, human contact in no telling how long. And here... The Son of God Almighty Himself, Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, calls her daughter. The way the text reads, it's my daughter. My daughter. So Jesus expressed kindness by paying attention to people. He expressed kindness by affirming the worth of other people. But the Lord also expresses God's kindness by appreciating other people's feelings. Let's continue on in verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Just kind of blurted it out there, didn't they? Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And she will be made well. And when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all the people were weeping and mourning for her. But Jesus said to them, Do not weep, for she's not dead, but only sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was indeed dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. And her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But listen carefully. He charged them to tell no one what happened. This miracle is absolutely exceptional and we praise the Lord for what Jesus did for this 12-year-old girl. But I want you to pay attention today to what Jesus did after the miracle was over. He charged them that they tell no one what had happened. You know... Some of the most disturbing words in the English language are just four words. They're four words that we love to say, but we hate to hear. The words, I told you so. I told you so. If you don't listen to me, I told you so, right, Dan? I saw you. I told you so. It's so fun to say. I told you so. I tried to direct you. I told you so. But it's often difficult to hear it, isn't it? But remember, those people that were outside the house, they were ridiculing Jesus. They were mocking the Lord. They laughed at him before he went in to raise this girl back to life. Do you know what I would have done if I was Jesus? I would have went in that house. 
I'd have raised that girl back to life. Then I would have taken her by the hand and I would have paraded her up in front above all those people and I would have said, I told you so. I told you so. But Jesus didn't do that. Even in this moment of unbelief and lack of faith, Jesus was concerned with how those people felt. In kindness, he says to the parents, don't tell anybody about what happened here. He didn't try to get even with the people. He didn't try to get back at them. He didn't try to glorify himself. And he said, don't tell nobody. You see, sometimes it's not so much what you say, it's how you say it. Husbands and wives, listen up. Sometimes it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. I love the story about that six foot ten Texan who walked into McDonald's and uh, he walked in and with his big old fist put it down and said, I want a half a Big Mac and I want it now. Well, the clerk, not sure what to do, she said, excuse me for a minute. And she went back to look for her manager, not realizing that six foot ten Texan was right behind her. And she got back to the manager and she said, there's this big goof out there who's dumber than a box of rocks and he wants a half a Big Mac. And about that time, she realized that he was standing behind her and she quickly added, and this man wants the other half. <laughs> I'm glad you like that too, Brendan. Sometimes you've got to think fast. And remember, what you say is important, but how you say it might be more important. You know, in this technological age that we're in, that's probably the biggest problem with text messaging. You say the words that you want to say, but there's no way to tell that person how you said it. And so that message can come off with sarcasm. It can come off with anger. It can come off with hate. It can come off with love. But those emotions are not felt in a text message. How you say it is even more important. And the fact that Jesus didn't want to embarrass all those people, he didn't want to get even with all those people, speaks volumes to us and should teach us that we ought to respond to other people in kindness. Marking what you say and how you say it. That's the problem with a lot of relationships today is they don't think about what they say before they say it. And then when they say it, they say it with a feeling or an emotion that is not what they meant to say it with. So very important. I read about some construction workers that were building this high-rise building beside a hospital. And they were working on the third floor and they noticed this little girl standing in the third floor hospital window. And they were, she was watching them work and uh, they waved to her and, and made signs to her and all kinds of funny things. And then the next day they looked across at that same window and there was a little girl holding a poster that said, my name is Lisa, what is your names? Well, the next day the construction workers came back with some poster and magic markers and they wrote down all their names. My name is Bob, my name is Bill, my name's Harry. How old are you? 
Well, the next day she came back and she held up a sign. Says, I'm seven years old. How old are you? Anyway, day in and day out, they went back and forth. They were having a blast being kind to this little girl. But one day they noticed that Lisa wasn't there. They noticed that she wasn't at her usual place in that third floor window. And so on a break, one of the workers called over to the third floor uh, nurse and asked if they could tell them anything about Lisa. The nurse said that Lisa had been uh, taking a turn for the worse and was down in the unit in the ICU. And so all these workers on the third floor of that high-rise building pulled all their money. They bought some flowers and a card. and They all signed it, and they sent it to Lisa over in intensive care. Several days passed by, and then there was another sign on the third floor. Lisa passed away. Thank you, for being so kind. Kindness, my friends, is an evidence that the love of God resides in you. Kindness is an evidence that the love of God resides in you. And no matter whether you're working as a construction worker on the third floor, in a dental office, uh, in sales, no matter what you're doing or how you're doing it, you need to know that every single day you have a multitude of opportunities to show the kindness of God. The evidence that God's love resides in you. So I guess if you really want to make disciples. Is there anybody that really wants to make disciples in here? One? Yeah, 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 good. That's what I like to hear. So if you really want to make disciples like Jesus commanded, you better learn kindness. You better learn kindness. Because love is kind. And kindness is shows love. We all need to learn to be kind to one another, kind to strangers, just like God has been kind to us. And that loving kindness takes time. It takes time paying attention to people's needs. It takes time affirming people's worth. It takes a little bit of time appreciating people's feelings. So, Are you like Christ? The Bible says you can be. We can be like Christ in kindness, but we can also be like Christ in eternal life. My life verse is Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And this life that I'm now living in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Eternal life is a way that you can be like Jesus. For the disciple, kindness demonstrates the love of God. I pray you'll take the time to focus on people's needs. That you'll take the time to affirm people's worth. No matter what they look like, no matter what status they are. 
I pray that you'll take the time to appreciate people's feelings. It's an evidence that Christ lives in you when you do it. And for the one that's here today that says, you know, I just really don't feel like I have Christ in me. I want you to know that just like this life verse is mine, this life verse can be yours as well. And Christ can be in you and through faith, he will live through your life in the flesh. He loved you. He gave himself for you. And I pray that during this song, you'll give your life to him. And his promise is that he'll live through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so kind to me. Even when I was raggedy and evil, wicked and stained, even when I wasn't what anybody would want to associate with, you were kind toward me. You paid attention to my greatest need, salvation. You affirmed that I had worth in your kingdom, that I had worth to you. And you appreciated how I felt. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that doesn't know you, they can know that you want to call them daughter or son as well. All it takes is a step of faith to step out of the pew, take a step of faith. But let me show them what the Bible says about how they can be saved. Thank you so much for these who have given their attention and shown their desire to become disciples because the opportunity is coming soon when they will become disciples, but they will also become disciplers. And Father, that's an exciting time. Father, do your work your way for your glory in the midst and in the lives of all these men and women. Father, let us bless you as you have so blessed us. Thank you for loving us like you do, Lord. And for your incredible loving kindness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing. Just as I am.